It's good to be here again this evening. I appreciate the presence of all that are here, and I know that the congregation does as well. As we go through these studies, as you've already noticed, and you'll notice again tonight, there's some repetition of some things, and that can't be avoided. But I would hope that even with the repetition, it'll be more like other aha moments. Uh, it does apply there, and yes, understand why we're saying it again. And even after tonight, then when you hear our final study tomorrow evening, there'll be some more. But hopefully then we'll be seeing things like the little jewel that we talked about turning it and seeing how the facets or the cuts will reflect the beauty of it to us a little bit more. But as we had mentioned, we're going to look a little bit at the prospective elder a little bit before he would be assigned that work, before he would be assigned that service within the congregation, and of course then while he is serving in that position as well. But still, we need to constantly be remembering that these are characteristics of a Christian. And we need to be seeing in what way we, each and every one of us, can be employing these characteristics or developing them within our own life. Not look, be looking down and say, well, I don't have to do that. Well, I'm not going to be an elder and I don't have to do that. I don't have to be that way at all, you know, and go down and kind of mark things off. There's not very many things you can say, I don't want to, or I don't have to be. But rather, they are characteristics or qualities of Christians. We know that each and every one of us, according to 1 Peter 3 and in verse 18, needs to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just try to name or think of one Christian that doesn't need to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We all do. And this man is going to be taking it very seriously just because of his service to Christ, not just because he desires a position of service within the church. Remember how we had looked at Hebrews 5 when the writer was speaking about something that was rather difficult concerning Melchizedek, and he told the brethren, you ought. You ought to be better than you are now. At the, this time when you ought to be teachers. Instead, you need to be taught the first principles of things again. And he pointed out to them where they needed to be took work and exercise. It took exposure. And it was something that they needed to be doing, something that they needed to be working on. And yes, they had the responsibility. They couldn't just sit back and say, well, nobody told me or nobody taught me, or things like that. No, they had the personal responsibility. And this man, and others, or all of us, need to take that responsibility very seriously as well. And we do speak many times, or most often in this, in the masculine, but don't forget Titus 2, verses 3 and 4. The older women likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So yes, it's on 
both sides. Each and every one of us have these responsibilities in growth and in some way in teaching as well. So we all do. So this man must be working on himself. He's one who is always considering his position of service. And we're talking about service as a Christian. His service in, in following Christ. And he must be thinking about his reputation. Romans 12 and in verse 18, If it is possible as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all people. And that's to everybody. Each and every one of us, with these qualities, they are not things where, well, okay, if you want me to, to take this position and this work, I'll start doing that. No. You do it now. It's something that we're busy in now. It's not, if you want me to, well, then I'll see if I can. But remember, like in Acts chapter 6, the men who were needed for the work of the need within the congregation? The apostles didn't say, go out and train and go out and develop these individuals so they can do this work. He said, no, you just go find them and we're going to put seven of them over this work. They were already there. You choose them, we're going to get them busy. Just like with this, we don't just start on the good report, good reputation, or being at peace. But rather, we're doing our best to always have a good reputation, to always be at peace and be the Christian that people need to see and the Christian that we need to be as well. So the Apostle Paul is teaching such things as this. He told the Corinthians how they needed to be providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. 2 Corinthians 8 and in verse 21. So, again, we can't use that phrase, well, I don't care what those people out there think. We do need to care. We do need to care. Just like the older sister was teaching the younger sisters to be as they ought to be within the home. And you remember one of the reasons why? So the Word of God is not blasphemed. You don't have anyone viewing the Word or viewing the church in a negative way because of the way we're acting or living. And here, all of those in Corinth, any who had the ability to hear this letter read or that were able to read it, they had the responsibility to have the good reputation. Well, this man, this individual for this particular work, is busy taking care of his reputation before others as well. And he's already working with and on his family, just like Brother Randall mentioned in the prayer, how we are raising our children, we are guiding our children, not just letting them grow up and make their own decisions to see where and how they want to go in life. No, we guide them. We guide them, and that's what we must do. This man, because if he doesn't know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? 1 Timothy 3 and in verse 5. So he doesn't start getting his house or his home in order. He has it. He's already working on it to make sure. Another thing that's interesting, I think, about this man, 
Again, in Titus 1 and verse 9, he says, Holding fast the faithful words as he has been taught. And that's uh, a subtle and very important quality there. The man's teachable. He doesn't know everything. But he's been teachable. He'll listen. He studies. He's one that takes the Word of God very seriously. Several times we've mentioned 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. Again, Paul taught Timothy. Timothy can teach others. That then they learn it and they figure out how to teach others as well and just keep the cycle going. So again, the man is not saying, well, I'll learn how to do that if you want me to start doing it. No, you're learning. Always learning and working with it now. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8. Paul said, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for what? For every good work. He says, You as Christians will be and you can be supplied in order to fulfill every good work if you want to be. There won't be all the questions of, what can I do? If you get to looking, you'll see what you can be doing. And you can and will be busy. Colossians 1, verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We are to be working to do what? Make me feel good? No, we will be working to fulfill Him, to be pleasing to Him, not working just to please myself. And that's where we need to get things in order as well. I, we all know what advertising is like and the world. It's always what I need, what I deserve. You know, if you just listen to radio ads or watch TV a little bit, I didn't know I deserved that $60,000 pickup. Wish I could convince Sharon of that. You know, but, but I know I, I don't deserve it. May have a little bit of a want for it. But no, I don't deserve it. They talk about the loans or all the money that people can get. Get the money you deserve. Well, if someone can't handle their money, if they can't handle a budget, if they can't take care of what they have, no, it's a detriment, it's not a plus. So we need to stop thinking about what we think we deserve when we start looking to see what we can do, what we can learn, and how we can serve rather than thinking about being served. Hebrews 13 and verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will. Yes, to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So the provisions are here, and we need to be busy with these things to be able to complete 
every work and to always remember we're supposed to be pleasing Him, not me. We're supposed to be doing all these things through Him and in His sight, not mine. And as faithful Christians, that's what we'll all be doing. We'll be working with and working on all of these things. You know, even in our list, and I'm sure as you all have already studied, in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 11, there's just this quick little plug that's put in there between the elders and the deacons that says, likewise their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, Temperate, faithful in all things. Short list, but look at it. Look at what it says. Is it only for them? What Christians should not be reverent? Show reverence and respect and honor to God. How many of us have the right to slander, to speak down on or toward anyone? We've talked about being temperate, being in control. Being in control to not do the things we shouldn't do and being in control to be doing the things we're supposed to be doing. And then I like this great big umbrella that Paul was inspired to write, faithful or reliable in all things. Who's not supposed to be reliable? In all things, pretty big category, we need to be reliable. If we say we're going to do something, then he said it, so I know it's going to be done. It's going to happen. They said they're going to fulfill this task, it's going to be fulfilled. They say they're going to be there, they're going to be there. Again, reliability. And if someone's not reliable on small things, how can you even suspect that they would be reliable on big, important things. No, it needs to be in the whole list. Well, okay, I'll fulfill these things. You can trust me on this. I'm kind of shaky over here. No, it needs to be all, all the way. Reliable or faithful in every situation. So just think, that's preparation. That's just everyday living as a Christian. So it is just for every one of us. But what about afterwards? Well, I believe when we look at it, there's not a lot of difference in the man's activity. Still, we could look back at Titus 1 verse 9, even after the ordination. This individual is holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. He's still going to be teaching, and he's still teachable. He's still teachable. He'll be willing to listen. He'll be willing to consider, because he knows that this vast well of information that we have here through inspiration can't be totally comprehended by every single person or totally learned. Some of the most familiar passages, we'll read them one day, or someone might mention something about them, and all of a sudden, right there, he's, 
Oh, yeah. It has always been there. So he's willing to learn. He's willing to listen. And he's going to be considering things. You know, there's an example of that in Acts chapter 15. Remember, Paul and Barnabas had had a problem with some false teachers going out and teaching things, trying to bind the Jewish regulations upon Gentile Christians. And they went back to where the problem originated. And in verse 6, it says, But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. That's verse 5. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider the matter. So they came together to listen. They didn't just hear a report and immediately come down with some kind of sentence. We're going to listen to this. We're going to get all the facts. So they were going to make sure about what the facts were. You know, Jesus had said in John 7, verse 24, Judge not according to the appearance of things, but judge righteous judgment. So it's not just the initial impression. Judge righteous judgment, the right things. Get the facts, know what you're talking about. So here we have these men, apostles. We have elders. Look on down in verse 22. It says, Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren who wrote this letter by them. And then it goes, we go down and we see the letter. So they had different ones present the facts. They heard what was going on, and then they all made this decision. They came together, and yes, the Holy Spirit, or inspiration, was even in on this as well. But it is interesting. It pleased the apostles. It wasn't just them saying, hey, we're the apostles, what we say goes. It pleased the elders, and they were even together, and they presented it to the whole church that was also pleased. And good was accomplished. It wasn't something that was just done by the fewest of individuals and then they told everybody what was already done and it's in the past. So these apostles, we know what kind of authority they had, but they got together and worked with the elders. The elders were not just saying, hey, we're, we're the heads of the church here. We're, we're the, the bosses, the leaders. We'll just tell them later on if they ask. No, but they all got together got the facts, and they worked it out in the right way. Proverbs 11 and verse 14 says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 24 and verse 6, For by wise counsel you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. So they gathered together to hear about and take care of a problem that had originated in that congregation. These elders were not making brotherhood decisions. They, were not, they did not have authority over other congregations. But 
here with the work that they had and the way it pleased all these individuals, it does seem as though or it is implied that there is even inspiration involved that then they sent out this decision or the way it must take place. So that's what they were doing. But not just acting only on their own or in some way like they were usurping authority. But they were following God's way. And also, remember when the Apostle Paul was traveling through there in Acts chapter 20, he had already sent messages ahead for the elders from Ephesus to come over to the coast. They went to listen. They went to learn. They went to heed warnings from Paul. It wasn't, hey, if you, want something to, if you have something to tell us, you come to us. Or we're the elders of Ephesus, don't don't bother us or worry us with other things. But they went and listened and take advice and receive guidance. I believe they were already practicing what Paul wrote in Romans 12 and in verse 3. Not to think too highly of yourself. Not to think too highly. Now that doesn't mean that they don't have confidence. You can be confident and yet not feel as though you can never be wrong. Think about Paul, the way he wrote about himself in 1 Corinthians 15, how he was the least of all of the apostles. He felt as though he was the smallest and most unqualified. And yet he said, I did my best. And it wasn't wasn't me or just because of me, but it was the Lord working in me and through me. He had confidence in Christ. He had Christ confidence, not self-confidence. And too many times people have nothing but self-confidence. And they walk away and leave Christ. Well, these men have confidence in guidance through God's Word. So they're told to take heed. Take heed of these things. That's what Paul had even told them there as he gathered those men there in Acts 20. And it means to turn the mind... Be attentive, to be attentive to what was going on around them. We'd already noted how these men as shepherds, they take heed over the flock. And I think it's significant that we're compared to a flock, a flock of sheep and not a herd of cattle. Cattle are driven, sheep are led. And that's important, that's important. Cattle are driven, sheep are led. And it's kind of neat to watch if you ever have. I've been in a place or two to where you'd see huge herds of, or flocks, flocks of sheep and or goats. And, of course, it may be on the interstate. But the two get up there together, and then they just kind of start going together. And the shepherds just go along, they keep giving out their own little call that their sheep or goats are accustomed to, and you'll think they're never going to straighten out that mess with all the different animals. But they cross, and they go their different ways, and as they go on and keep doing their calling, each shepherd has his own sheep because they're following their shepherd. They're just following. They know him. Again, as Jesus pointed out there in John, he says, my sheep know my voice. 
And the real ones do too. And they just go on. They're not being whipped and driven. But they're willing to follow. And they are being led. Because the shepherd turns his mind. He gives attention to them. And they know where he needs to go. And the same way with those who are shepherding the flock of the congregation. So we're doing this to taking heed to ourself, taking heed to the congregation, and making sure that things are going according to God's way. Now, and that's something very important too. You know, you can only carry these figures so far, like a shepherd and the sheep. Because the sheep don't really have much to reason with. We as sheep, we start reasoning within our own mind. Of course, we come up with different ideas. And sometimes an animal doesn't want to follow their shepherd either. But again, they don't have the same reasoning faculties like we do. But we need to be paying attention and following them. Same way with the shepherd. The shepherd can't reason too much on his own when it comes to the flock of the church. He's receiving instructions, rather, from the one that really owns the sheep. That owns the sheep. And we know that's the Lord, and this is the shepherd's handbook. And even as the Apostle Paul was, was, writing, or was speaking to the elders there of Ephesus, and he was reminding them what they needed to do and what they needed to watch out for, it's interesting what he said in verse 32 there in Acts 20. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Notice he, he did not say, well, you fellows have some pretty good heads on your shoulders, so if something comes up, you just get together and kind of reason among yourself and, and work it out. You'll come up with something. He didn't say that. But rather, he did say, you are commended and you are under. You're obligated to God and to the word of his grace. He says, that's what you follow. That's what you're protecting. And that's what you're using to guide the sheep. Because they are protecting them from those wolves. And see, just a little bit earlier, like in verse 29. You're protecting them. They can come in and they can just wreak havoc of the flock. So you're being attentive. You're paying attention to yourself. You're paying attention to the flock. You're on guard. I don't think they, you just walk around with a suspicious eye every time somebody comes in. But you're aware, aware of things. You can hear something that has a different sound that doesn't belong because it's outside the truth. You're aware you're prepared, but I don't think that you are a suspicious individual of just everything and everybody that comes along. But just like Paul had told them back in, through Titus, the way they needed to be prepared, he says there are, in Titus 1 verse 10, there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped to sub, who subvert whole household 
teaching things which ought not, they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. So he says, there are some people like this. So you be on guard. You be armed with the word. You're prepared. And you watch out for those. So they do always give strict attention. They're cautious. And they are there, as Paul told them there in Acts 20, they're there to shepherd or to feed the flock. And feed means more than you're not just ripping open a bag of feed and dumping, up, dumping it and leaving. That word indicates constant care over them. You're vigilant. There's more to taking care even of an animal than just dumping out feed for them every once in a while. You must pay attention. They also need a place to sleep. They might need to be doctored. They might need to be caressed and comforted in some way. We know what it means. We do it all the time in different ways. But they must be cared for like this. So as we see, even the shepherds of the spiritual flock have a handbook. says, I commend you to that. That's what you need to follow. And remember, that book, as he says, comes from God. So you're committed to God and to His instructions. But you know another thing about the elders and I'm sure those who are very or try to be very vigilant over the flock and those who may need some kind of assistance, you've seen this happen before. But you know, in James, it speaks about those who may be sick. In James 5 and in verse 14, here in this place, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. You ever heard of that person that has some kind of need? Maybe they are sick. Or maybe their car has a flat tire. Maybe there's something. And rather than call somebody, they sit back and say, I'll just see how long it takes someone to notice. And they just wait for brother or sister, whoever, to finally come around and check on them. You say, what took you so long? I've, I've needed this for a week. Well, we didn't know. Well, you should have come and checked. Why didn't you call? That's what James is saying. If you need something, call them. You know, the elder, the preacher, the leaders of the congregation, they're not inspired. Can't be everywhere at the same time. And as... With this situation here, or this description by James, said, if you need something, call him. He needs to be called. That's the reason he's living the life that he does. That's the reason he takes very seriously the preparation that he has been engaged in. He wants to be there to help. He wants to be there to guide. He wants to be there to shepherd those who are in need. As he points out, call them, call them. Now, again, that's when there is a need. As we had looked at a lot of those situations, some of our other studies, we are all to be busy, all to be serving. There's all the things that the Lord teaches us to do and teaches us in ways to serve other people. But sometimes we do need something. But we don't just find ways to give someone else an opportunity to serve. You know, 
So-and-so needs to, they can let their light shine and come over here and do this for me and do that for me. Here's a list. Come on, just let your little light shine, 1 through 13. You know, that's not what he's saying here. But he is talking about real needs. He says, you're sick? Call them. And they want you to. Something else about that elder as he is preparing for this and even after he is in that position of service. 1 Peter 5 and verse 3, he's to be an example. And this is the word even where we get our word type. Now you youngsters maybe have never seen what was called a typewriter. Had all these little metal hands that had backward letters on them and it would come up there and it would hit the piece of paper that had some ink on it, and there would be the letter. Well, that was a type. And that's where we, we get our word for type from this little word right here where it says example. You be something that can be used as a form, as a type, as a mold. And all of us are like that. Whether we want to be or not, all of us are examples. Somebody is copying us. Not just our children. There are others who are watching that will copy us. We'd already read before 1 Timothy 4 verse 12 where Timothy is told to be an example. And again, to, to be one worthy to be imitated. Do we want everyone to be like us? People are watching. And an elder does need to be careful. Every Christian needs to be careful. But to be an example, to be one worthy of imitation. That's something that needs constant attention as well. Titus 1 verse 7 shows us that the elder is one who is as a steward. You know, a steward is an individual that's been entrusted with something that doesn't belong to him. Doesn't belong to him. So the eldership can't look at the church or the congregation as if that's mine. And I can do with it what I want. It's different if you look at the congregation as this is mine in the sense of I'm a part of it. I'm working with it. We're all together in unity. Just like if individual members of our body could think that little finger right there might be looking at my head saying that's my head. That's mine. We're all together. All one. But when we do think about the church itself or the congregation, the eldership is put in trust of the congregation. It's not really his house. It's the Lord's house and he's a part of it. But he has been entrusted with it. And he must be very careful with it. You know, with the things that I might need to borrow from someone I try my best to be more careful with what I get of someone else's to be careful with it than even with my own stuff. I've always had a knack to break something. Well, I proved that with the little speaker thing the other night. It, it's just kind of easy to break something, it seems like. But I try to be much more attentive to it if it belongs to someone else. And that's the way it is with uh, the leader the pastor, the shepherd of the church. This isn't mine. I'm part of it, 
but I need to be very careful. And that's the way even Peter described it there in 1 Peter 5 and verse 3 in speaking to the elders. Be careful with those who have been entrusted to you. Inspiration. The Lord himself was saying, these are my kids. Be careful with them. Since they're mine. You're one too. But be careful with them. And so it's something that is just very serious and something for one to really look upon to make sure they do it carefully. 1 Corinthians 4 and in verse 2. You know, Paul said, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Again, does it just mean believing? One be found reliable. Because you have something precious. So you must be careful with what's been entrusted to you. And again, that word keeps coming up over and over again. Reliability. You can be relied upon. Just to repeat it, even in this little lesson, 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, the teaching was entrusted to faithful, reliable men. 1 Timothy 3, and in verse 10, deacons are tested to make sure they are reliable. Again, they're observed. You can trust him. We can trust these men, and they will do the work so these individuals they've been busy and active proving their ability and their reliability before they're ever entrusted with the service or with the work again it's not like hiring someone for a job when you're hired on a job when they say you're hired then you start working then you start in the labor. With this work, you've already been busy. If you're concerned with the members of the flock, you're already watching out. This one's getting too far over into a dangerous pasture. Need to get them back. The whole group is wandering over here where there's bad food, bad graze. We need to get them back over here in this place. There's already those men who are watching. There's those men where one of the sheep may be sick, not feeling good or injured. They know when they approach that man, they're going to be cared for. There's men like that now who are doing that. That's the reason. I like that little book. Glenn probably remembers. Oh, no. That's, that doesn't, that's not said too often that Glenn remembers he may remember the author of the book, They Smell Like Sheep. But it's talking about those are already busy working because it's something that needs to be done. So they're not waiting for the chance to be hired for a job and then they'll start. But they're already working. Already busy. They're not being forced into it, not by compulsion. That's what Peter said, 1 Peter 5 and verse 2. They're not going to be pushed into a position to where then they're grudgingly doing something because God loves a cheerful giver, whether it's money, whether it's time or ability. 
He wants individuals to give with hilarity. If you remember us talking about that word for cheerfulness. But they're already doing it. They're not tyrants. They're not going to be lords over a group. 1 Peter 5 and verse 3. They're not going to force someone to come under their power. But they're already trusted. There's that trust between them. And they will be leading them. So this work is something that is not started or looked upon as a conquest. But rather it is looked upon in the sense of a a major step. It's not a completion like nothing else needs to be done afterwards. But it's another one of the many processes that continues. One of the many cycles. Put it like that. Like a faithful teacher teaching that teaches this one, that teaches that one, that's able to teach another, and it keeps going. Keeps going. So it's all cycles. With the eldership, you want to keep it going. Be looking at the younger men and the potential that you have right here. In a few more years, when I'm old and decrepit, well, then these others will be coming along and be able to do what I used to be working at doing. And keep it going. So that's just a little bit. As we see here about these men, they've been busy. Busy, busy. First of all, because they're faithful to Christ and want to be the best Christian that they can be. And it's not just men, but how many of these things can even our sisters look upon and say, well, I don't need to have that kind of characteristic. We all need to be reliable. It was said to the sisters, to the wives, Faithful in all things. We can't say as men, well, okay, I don't have to be faithful in all things because that was said to the wives. That's a silly thought. We all need to be faithful in all things. This concludes our little study this evening. Hope it's been profitable. Hope we can see where it's coming from in the Scriptures. And as we've done each night, want to extend the Lord's invitation. There could still be one with this wide type of crowd who is subject to the gospel call, one who understands who Jesus is, that He is our Savior that died for us. And believing upon Him, then we need to repent of our sins, to change our life, to conform to His. Make the good admission or confession that You believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God and submit to baptism for the remission of sins. Begin your life to start building and growing as we have read here in the Scriptures. Or there may be one who is convicted as a Christian that you need to make a change. You know that you have an avenue to and with the Father for repentance, prayer, and forgiveness. We know that we have an option to ask a brother or ask our brethren, pray for me. And we have that opportunity this evening as well. So if there's one that needs any of this assistance, we are here to help. I ask you to come while we sing.